This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Fellas. Bring it in. Okay, Scully. We've had to deal with more than any other team has had to deal with coming into this event. We are this close. We could have been undefeated against England, but this is our last round. It's been a great fucking weekend. We win this. We're guaranteed a podium spot. Depending on tons of other scenarios, we could still walk out as world champs. So let's carry ourselves like champs. Let's beat them like champs. Let's get up. Yeah. All right? Fight for every point you can get. Do everything you think you've learned over the weekend. Hide if you need to. Push if you need to, and let's get it. America on three. One, two, three. America! Frontline Gaming presents 40K Stat Center with your hosts, Val Heffelfinger and the Falcon. Coming to you well after the fact from the master hall of the Novi Sad Fair in fabulous Novi Sad, Serbia. It's the European Team Championship 2019. First off, in the blue corner, in the red and white trunks, refusing to weigh in because they are far too polite to interrupt the conversation, it's Team Canada. And in the red corner, in the blue and gold star-spangled trunks, smelling of freedom, gasoline, and your mama's apple pie, Team America. And in yet another corner, in the green and yellow sweat-drenched tank tops, the thunder from down under its team, Australia. In our final corner, in the white and red trunks, covered in the blood and tears of the defeated, here come the lines. It's Team England. And your referee and judge tonight is the one, the only, Neil Kerr. Now come in, touch gloves, and have a good fight, boys. Let's get ready to rumble. I don't think I'm going to get paid millions of dollars to do that. No, probably not. But you know what? It's Warhammer. Who gets paid millions of dollars anyway? Hey, we're, we're getting there. I think some people <laughs> are getting paid a few dollars. Welcome, folks. It's a, to a very special, special episode. Our first special episode. In fact, tonight, we're going to be covering the ETC in depth, which means that all other tournament coverage has been bumped to next week. Now have no fear, you'll be getting to hear about the exploits of the Latin Gandalf Adam Solis, the destructive power of Bethany Taylor, and that whimsical chef with heft, Ben Cherwin, next week when we go back to our regularly scheduled programming. Suffice to say, we just had too much we wanted to cover today when it came to the glitz and glamour of the ETC and did not want to leave anyone without their due. It also happened that our absolutely incredible 40K stats correspondence went well above and beyond and netted up hours of interviews and coverage from the premier teams this year, plus Canada. Before we get into that, though, we would, like, we would be remiss if we did not give one final shout-out to the Capital City Bloodbath this weekend in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. As we've said ad nauseum for months now, we will be leading our voice, lending our voices and our minds to that of the Honest Wargamer, to provide the utmost and semi-watchable 40K content. 
So in that vein, I went through uh, basically all of the lists and units that are going to be showing up in the Capital City Bloodbath meta. I parsed them all down from Best Coast pairings and uh, sent them off to uh, Darren and Chris from Canhammer so that they could uh, you know, spread the word on what you can expect to see. Uh, when the event's over, I'll actually be doing what I did for the LVO back in February, and I'll actually break down unit by unit how every, uh, basically everything that showed up at that event fared. Um, if you're really interested in hearing uh, like what units are showing up and in what numbers, I know that uh, Darren was planning on doing a special Can Hammer episode uh, tonight on August 14th. Uh, to be aired at some point who knows when they decide to actually do that um, and they'll have graphs and pretty things i'm sure to show you uh, just what's up in uh, in ottawa next weekend yeah so for the preview i'm sure uh, you'll be able to catch that on twitch on the uh, can hammer tv channel as well as on youtube i believe they have the same handle there uh, of course when the live games start kicking off i believe it's pretty early in the morning something like 9 a.m do we know i don't know i'm just gonna show up I'm just Hope showing for the best. Too. Hope for the best. Anyway, pretty early in the morning, Eastern Standard Time uh, will be the first round live from Ottawa. That's on, once again, the Honest Wargamer uh, on Twitch. And uh, usually simulcasts, I think, to like uh, Facebook, uh, but not YouTube. So, anywho, um, Honest Wargamer, the Falcon, the Heffelfinger, the, uh, the Symes. The Scrivo, I believe, is also coming, so it'll be a, a packed in, and oh, and also Max Dubois. Max Dubois. Yeah, Max Dubois showed up. He decided to uh, grace us with his ever-loving presence. That is an ever-loving, good, awesome time, guys. This is going to be, this is almost too much to handle, I think, as far as an internet stream is concerned. For sure. Um, and uh, it will be the best 40K content that has ever been released. It's a low bar, I know, but we're going to knock it out of the park. Of course, the Vulcan means besides this episode, and I'm not even putting it on. I think we got a doozy here for our audience tonight. Oh, I agree. Uh, people uh, definitely came out in droves. We got some excellent interviews from you know, three of the four best teams that showed up at ETC and Canada. <laughs> and Canada. Um, all right. So uh, I think uh, Frontline Gaming still, because uh, we are a part of the Frontline Gaming Network, uh, they still have a 20% off mat sale going on right now. Uh, so head on over to FrontlineGaming.org to take advantage of that. Of course, if you're a fan of the show or other shows on the network, please consider supporting the Chapter Tactics Patreon. Or, in fact, if you're a fan of the game and the ITC in general, uh, consider supporting the ITC Patreon. That's what I do. I chip yeah, a few bucks every, every month. It's a, it's a real good way to go. Um, they both uh, definitely offer their perks. Um, that On that FLG plug for the mats, I mean, I got to say, um, it was supposed to be over this week, but I believe they did so well that they extended it uh, another week, um, though they are selling out of uh, some of their more popular items. So you really should take a look if you're interested at all. Um, lastly, uh, one thing we should plug, um, and we plug it every week, is that Best Coast Pairings. Mm. Those guys over there, they really do a really good job of keeping us in the loop on what's happening in competitive 40K. Uh, without them, my website, this podcast, really, um, like, the game in general wouldn't be where it is today. So big kudos to those guys. Do we have a bump for them? Oh, we certainly do. They always get us over that first bump. Tournament news is made possible by bestcoastpairings.com. 
Download the BCPTO app to organize events for just about any tabletop game system. Download the player app to easily find and participate in events from around the world. Around the world. Subscribe to BCP for as little as $5 a month to support the team and unlock additional features available for iOS and Android. Bestcoastpairings.com. Competitive events. Easier. The European Team Championships. A long-standing tradition of tabletop diplomacy brought 36 nations to Novi Sad, Serbia to battle it out for cultural supremacy. Operating every year since 2006, this marked the third time that the ETC has returned to Novi Sad. Is it the incredible culture in the venue? The organizational prowess? The exchange rate? Who really knows? But the ETC sure loves its Serbia. For those of you who didn't make a national team this year, the ETC is comprised of three core events, two no one cares about, and then 40K. Modeling themselves after their favorite corrupt international sporting organization, FIFA, the ETC invites all countries that are able to send an eight-person team to compete for the title. Each country must field a team of at least four nationals and up to four Niknanavadis. Countries that border Russia may also field up to eight Russians. And according to Mike Brandt, Team England can also field only Welshmen if they like, but that is probably because he got the country confused with the grape juice, much like how Nova Open is confused with a competitive Warhammer event. As with all incredibly awesome team tournaments, the ETC limits each team to using each codex source once. No Forge World or Index options, though. They aren't savages. With their players selected and lists created and vetted, the teams then set off on an arduous month-long journey via donkey train through the Balkans guided by two Sherpas and the angle the sun reflects off of Nick Rose's head. Finally, upon arrival in Novi Sad, they kick things off with a spirited evening of folk dancing, savapi, and vodka shots. The tournament itself lasts three days, featuring two four-hour rounds per day using its own mission format. For those of you schmucks that are unaware... The ETC format is a mix of Maelstrom and Eternal War missions with additional points scored via unit kills. A VP differential at the end of each round gets assigned a differential score between 0 and 20, and the team scores are then tallied together to determine the overall winner of each matchup. Teams re require a combined score between 75 and 85 for a draw, and 86 or more for a win. At the end of it all, one country earns the right to call themselves champion and to be at least six months ahead of the current meta. Can I get a bump bump? Tournament News. Hey everybody, I'm Paul Murphy from Forge the Narrative, and you're listening to 40k Stat Center. As mentioned in the intro, we have managed to score a series of interviews and sound bites from a number of high-profile teams at the event this year. However, as homegrown Canadian boys whose hearts bleed maple syrup, beaver tails, and apologies, we cannot do an episode covering the ETC without giving our team the chance to say a piece. So Team Canada had lofty goals heading into this year's ETC. Early on in their team selection process, both the ITC number one and number two players had signed on to play for the team, and they looked and felt like serious contenders. If only both of those players didn't play almost exactly the same army and no others. Meaning that one of them had to drop to make room for a more well-rounded affair. Still, the nerds and basement dwellers of our country stood with pride as Captain Chris, Helicopter Parent Haynes, Ridvin, Archon Scarier Martinez, Tim, 
It's in the details. Dietliff, Eric, the Living Massacre, Marco, and Conrad, Mojito Monday, Motika, Dustin, the Dustpan, Hanshaw, Jeff, Downtown Brown, Devin, the other robot swan, and TJ, almost Canadian Lanigan, drew down upon the Novi Sad market. I think, yeah, we, we definitely put in more effort into fundamentals this year. We put a lot more into the smaller details. We still struggled, though. Uh, we definitely were a bit behind in the meta, um, slightly. Um, and I think it was like three of our lists were, were definitely way behind. And then um, it was nice this year because I would say the gap between the strong players and the weaker players was smaller. So I wouldn't necessarily say we had maybe a, a better team. We just, the lower end of our team wasn't like last minute mercenaries. It wasn't, you know, basement gamers that are going there to get drunk. It was like our weakest player was like, he can go to tournaments and beat your face in, right? So so Canada ended up having one of their best performances to date, scoring three wins, two losses, and one draw at the great show in Europe. And somehow were awarded the best sportsmanship award, despite having most of their members being from the least polite parts of our true north, strong and free. After dunking their round one grudge match versus Turkey and doing what Canada does best, dominating the United Nations in round two, Canada moved into their day two third round matchup versus Poland. What listeners may not know about Poland is that they are got dang 40k assassins and perennial threats to win every year. They've done it before, winning championships in 2010 and 2014 to go along with six silver and seven bronze medal finishes. In 2019, years truly suffered the most humiliating of six humiliating losses at their sausage grease-covered hands. Despite what your uncle may tell you, Poland is no joke. Yeah, after our after our, our wick, so we lost to Poland. Um, I wouldn't say like we didn't go in there being like we're gonna lose. We went in there being like we're gonna go really hard with our matches. We're gonna play legit. Um, what actually killed us against Poland was we did two mirror matches, and um, I think our team in general was really weak against mirror matches because their players are maybe a bit more experienced in ETC than we are, a little bit more um, used to that, whereas we're not so used to the mirror match. Mirror matches aside, this did set up what would be Chris's favorite opponent of the tournament in what be would become a draw versus Greece. Um, one of the other things is Team Greece made a reappearance this year, and we had the privilege of playing them, and they were awesome. Um, they're all connected into the Canadian. They watch all our streams. They know us by name. You know, TJ, Chris. Oh, yeah, they knew. It's, it was awesome. And they were great guys, and they brought the pain, and it was really cool, yeah. And we ended up tying them, which I think was the real highlight, because when you play a cool team that's like really – they're also there like with a lot to prove just like we were, and then when you get a tie result, it was like, oh, my God, this is like – we got we to gotta, we gotta play again, guys. Like, <laughs> And that's where things stopped being so rosy. The following day, Canada walked into a Belarusian bazaar, suffering one of the most lopsided losses of the tournament and nearly getting blanked entirely, scoring a mere six points to Belarus's 154. And then Sunday morning we came in and we were like, we can, we can do this. We can actually go 4-1-1 um, in one if we really do well on the Sunday. And uh, yeah, we drew Belarus. And um, 
Yeah, so they're basically a uh, – I don't know if anybody's familiar with them. They're like a Russian-affiliated country. Like they're in the opposite of NATO pack, which I know politics has nothing to do with the ETC. But um, so they're very tight with Russia. I think a lot of their players play in Moscow, I do believe. Uh, a few of them from St. Petersburg. I, um, so they definitely train hard with the Russian team. Uh, they're no joke. Uh, they definitely are are good players. Um, but they got uh, four yellow cards against us. Yeah. My perspective is, I almost want to say no comment. Um, it was, it was. Um, if I was from Belarus, I would be embarrassed of the way that my team represented me. Um, the things that they tried to do before the round, during the round, um, to uh, not, and, and it wasn't all of them. Uh, there was a couple of them that were great by all accounts. Um, and there was a couple of them that were terrible. Um, and they they um, were probably a better team than us on the tabletop. They're probably used to playing better players. They're probably, yeah, you know, I'd, I'd even maybe give them the, they could have beaten us 100% clean and got no yellow cards. But they chose to um, to do questionable things. And that's about all I think I want to say. So it didn't sound like things went too smoothly for Canada versus Belarus, and we decided to reach out to head ref Neil Kerr for some insights on the conduct system at the ETC and to discuss some of the issues that came up this year. I've, I've been talking to uh, Chris and Skari, um, obviously since that, because they weren't happy. They, they feel that we as referees did what, everything we could, but they're not, obviously still not happy of the situa that the situation could be as it could be. Um, I mean, it, it's at the ETC we track things. So players are given warnings; those warnings are tracked. You know what was who, which player, what round, why. Um, yellow cards are tracked from, from across years. You get yellow card at one ETC; it's tracked to the next one. You know, and again, why was that yellow card there? So. And a good example in this is, <clears throat> so there were three people penalised on the opposition team that game. One of them um, was, or well, two of them were penalised for using dice that, you know, quite frankly, were very confusing. They had symbols on both the one and six side, both on the one and the six. So they were, and that was the first infraction those those guys had. So they were warned. Um, it's very hard to do much more because the, the argument comes, or he was picking up, he he scored more saves, or he was doing less saves. But without being there as a referee, it's very hard to say. I believe you over you, even if I have personal, especially if I have personal relationships with teams, I might have relationships with players, and I I, I could trust that player, but it doesn't matter in the context of a referee. I have to be unbiased. I had to put my personal relationships on side. And so because these two players had had no issues raised against them in the tournament before, it was a warning. And again, because we ourselves had no clear evidence to say that they had deliberately done something. However, one of the other players did get a yellow card because he had been warned by me, actually personally by me, earlier in the tournament about unsportsmanlike conduct. And he was again 
doing a similar thing, exhibiting so not, not actually not similar, but he was very unsportsmanlike to say the least. And this was witnessed by a referee as well. One of the, not myself, one of my other referees was called to the table, saw this, saw what was going on, you know, had a look, and it was quite. And he was like, no. And so this was this guy's second infraction. It was deemed a yellow card to him. So the team gets penalties and he gets penalties. I, the, as I talked to Chris and Ridbram about afterwards, the issue is this happened in the sixth round. And if we didn't know, for example, if these players have been doing this in earlier rounds, then we'd be like, hey, you guys have been doing this before. Now this is, an, now this is really an issue. It's not a one-off thing. It's not a misunderstanding. This is an issue. Like the guy who, like the guy who got the yellow card. Um, not calling out the Canadians at all, but I got told by the Canadian captains that other teams had said to them that they'd also had issues with their, this, this particular team. Yeah. And my question was, well, why did no one notify me of this? But there is, there is issues. There are players, I mean, I've been doing this, I've been at the EC for 12 years, six as ref, six as player. I know pretty much all these guys. I mean, I know everybody there. Obviously, not the new guys, but I know a lot of the returning characters. And I know which ones to keep an extra eye on. And, yeah. And if people do step out of line, and we see it, and I see it, it does come, it does come down heavily. But like you say, there's five of us, and there's, what, 144 tables. We can't be everywhere at once, unfortunately. And so it really is on the players, on the teams, on the coaches, if there is an issue, to grab us straight away. Just grab us. Let us resolve it. Canada would finish the tournament by bouncing back against Norway and wrapped up with a 3-2-1 record that was certainly a sign of improvement over 2018. Here's Chris's final thoughts on coming back for another year, prepping for 2020, and a shout-out to one of his favorite players of the event. So I'm 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 thinking about uh, hanging on to it. I think we're making improvements. Um, you know, we uh, it was actually kind of funny. Um, after playing Belarus, I was ready to hang up the jersey and uh, maybe throw it in the garbage can. And then we played Norway and uh, we won the best sports award at the end. And it 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 kind of gave me a little bit of a rejuvenation. You know, you don't really. You, you can't let other people have an impact on your emotions and you can't let things change it. So I think I am ready to go to Luxembourg and maybe go, you know, five and one or six and oh. So one of the things that really helped is this year we went back with four veteran players. So these are guys that somewhat already understood the system, understood the matchups, kind of understood the way that the venue, just little things. And so it made it a lot easier. Didn't have to hurt as much. Um, so we would like, um, not all or, or any, but because I'm sure some of the guys don't want to come back. I'm sure some of them do. But we would we would like to maybe um, kind of build on our experiences and get more, maybe some some more of a veteran squad going, which would be nice. Um, you know, a lot of countries do that. It's a lot of the same people, which is unfortunate. But um, th- that's what it takes to win, right? You can't just go once and expect to win. So if I had like an MVP trophy for our squad, it would go to TJ Land again. Um he did pretty good on the table, you know. He's uh, he thinks he's hot stuff, and he kind of is. So, <laughs> um, but I would say the the real surprise with TJ is that he he was he was more influential and more helpful off 
of the tabletop. Um, he's one of those guys that would drill you. He showed up to every meeting. He showed up to every tournament. He would call people out on bad lists or, or, or mistakes, but not in a negative way, in a positive way. Um, he would take the time to explain strategies and movement to people and, and making sure that they're playing their games correctly and how to use the train correctly. And um, he did like lots of little things. Like he would um, call the cabs every day for the team and he would book our dinner reservations and, you know, not every night, but he, he, he did it more than most, I would say. And he definitely kept our morale up, which is, I think a lot that might be a shock to a lot of people, but uh, yeah, I think uh, he, he's uh, a really good guy. So, Chris, we couldn't agree with you more. TJ Lanigan's practically a third co-host around here. We always love having him. And hey, maybe we'll see him again back with Canada next year, or who knows? Maybe he'll be repping the old U.S. of A. We'll have to find out. Look out. Here comes the bump. Tournament news. Hey guys, this is Nick Nanavati from Knights of the Game Table Pro, where I teach you how to become a better 40K player. And you're listening to 40K Stat Center. In the lore of American international team competition, there are but two monoliths that stand above all others. The 1980 Miracle on Ice gold medal winning men's Olympic hockey team and the 2018 Miracle on Dice ETC champions their performance a perfect 6-0 tear through the very heart of the european meta playing lists that were a full six months behind will not be one that is soon forgotten except by our very own pablo for some reason however captain sean naden clearly had a vision or at the very least a significantly profound hallucination for assembling a back-to-back championship squad he took action with aggressive off-season changes, including moving on from long-term Team USA stalwart Nick Nanavati. At nearly the same time, he began to openly encourage the team to juice. Sean nearly turned over the entire roster, returning only Brad Chester and Nick Rose from 2018, likely because they were both physically intimidating and also too old and deaf to hear or understand that they had been cut. Naden dug deep into a well of true grit American talent, dispatching bald eagles to the four corners of the continent to tap Mike, the fuck you looking at, Brant, Werner, Jason Bourne, Alex Deep, Strike, Fennel, and of course, the late and great Jeff in Control Robinson. With the sudden passing of Jeff, the team turned to Josh Conant to fill some pretty enormous shoes, and he joined the team in Serbia to play Jeff's list with only a few weeks' notice. To give us a rundown of the TMUSA's full tournament experience, we turn it over to their lovable scamp of a coach and probably the greatest man and best general in our hearts, Adam Abramowicz. And going into it, obviously we had a big obstacle to overcome. Losing Jeff two weeks prior was a huge hit because he was right up there, uh, one of our top four players, um, if not higher, on the team. And... You know, Ender stepped in and he did a great job. It was a, he had a tough, tough week, um, but we're so happy that he was able to, to be there and, and you know, fulfill that eighth player role for us. You know, we played great teams the entire way. Um, there were no slouch teams for us at this event. We played Ireland round one, who finished, I believe, in ninth place. So a top 10 finish there. I believe Sweden was eighth or seventh. We played Greece, who was the lowest placing of all the teams that we played, but a really solid team in 16th place. England, Sweden, 
and Poland. I mean, we, our two losses were to the gold and bronze medalists. Now, going up into that final round, we were in position that if England loses and we win, we could potentially be playing for gold. That's, that's how close we were. And even if we draw or win and England still wins, we were right there for a second or third place, a silver or bronze medal. Um, and we were, we were really confident that, that we were going to do that when we were paired with Finland in the final round. We spent uh, a solid hour, 45 minutes pairing. We felt really confident uh, pairing against Finland. They are a good team, but I think that we win that game. Not to take away from them because they're a very solid team and they were right there in uh, third or fourth place as well. Um, but I think that we paired better against them. Uh, getting at the last minute as we're ready to sit down and do pairings, hearing that the pairings have changed, we need to look at the brackets and finding out that we were playing Poland was kind of a hit right, right to the gut because Poland's a really good team. They're three or four-time WTC champion. Uh, they, they always present well at ETC. And you know what? They brought good lists. They're very talented players. It was not going to be an easy game. I think maybe we made a few missteps in the pairings there, uh, especially in the confusion pairing for Finland. Um, you know, yes, they had a chaos list. Yes, they had a towel list, but they were very, very different. And I, I think that we went into that one just a little bit unprepared, you know, which is to be expected given the, the situation. Um, you know, this team is a team that you should be really pl- proud of. The sixth place is absolutely astonishing considering the fact that we lost one of our best players. And in a lot of these matchups, you know, our predictions were actually quite low in the 62, 65, 72 point ranges. That Those are losses, if, you know, if you achieve those points. You need 75 to 85 for a draw. So when you look back and you see that we started out with low predictions and these guys pulled home 109 points out of these matches, 119 points, 120 points out of these matches, um, something along those lines. I, I might be missing a, f- a few of them, but those are big numbers. Um, you know, and going to those guys as the coach and saying, look, you know, early on, this is what we need you to get at least, and this is where we're at. So really... We, we want 10 points from you to make your prediction, but I really need 14 to 16 from you. Guys like Brad Chester and, and Nick Rose are, are able to go out and do that. You know, Mike Brent, who was in the slums, in the scrum all day, playing hard matches, you know, low scoring matches, bringing home 16 points, 18 points in games that are, you know, predicted draws. Sean obviously went out there. He 20 to every match that he played. He's one of the best players in the country. You know, gotta give a shout out to Werner Bourne. I mean, he came in here not with a lot of confidence. Um, I think he personally didn't feel like he was ready to play for this team or belonged on the team. But, you know, he he obviously did because that's Sean's commitment to him for doing such a good job of coaching last year. He 18'd a seven Eldar flyer list with his Necrons. That's unbelievable. Werner went out there and got those points. I'm so proud of him. And he listened. I mean, when we were in a tough spot with Poland... He says, what do you want me to do here? Do I? Do you need me to play KG? And I said, well, if you play conservative, how many points do you think you can get? And he said, five or ten, maybe, maybe ten. I said, well, you got to go for it. I, I can, you know, converse with Sean about it. I asked Nick about it. And at that point, because the, the predictions were so low and what we were looking at, I said, you know what, go for broke. And he listened. It ended up being a loss for him, but he listened to exactly what his team needed. Really proud of him. Mike Brandt, you know, he doesn't get to play at a lot of the big tournaments. You know, he's busy running his own. And I think he was a fantastic selection this year. The guy proved that he's one of the best players in the, in the world, a phenomenal guard and Blood Angels player. He just, he did work 
slow and steady every game. It always came down to the final rounds, but it was always a slow uptick and a slow trajectory in Mike's games, which was amazing to watch. Uh, Stephen Ford, Juice, I mean, you put him into those mirror matches, he's going to get some points. There was one tough game against Poland, but he performed really, really, really well this this year. I mean, again, staying on top of that trajectory that he's been on all season long, proving that he deserved a spot on the team. Um, Alex Fennell, I mean, I feel bad for him because he played really, really hard matches. Um, I don't think that we quite got him into the right positions to score points. We put him into a lot of positions that were coin flips uh, or draw-type scenarios, which is really hard to do six games in a row. But Alex is a champion. Um, you know, Can't speak highly enough about the character of that man. Nick Rose played really well. Everybody knew what his list was going to do. They saw that list. It was a big shocker for the, the ETC once we, we presented it at ATC. Uh, I think he did really great. Um, he turned a lot of low-scoring, scrummy games into wins for us. Um, really solid player, and his uh, you know contributions to pairings are fantastic. Uh, you can't not talk about Brad Chester. The guy's an absolute beast. Um, he's going to get you those points. He's another scrummy player that can you know really swing some games. I think he had some tough matches and some bad luck. I mean, he he went into games that we knew that he could do well at and his opponents just rolled lights out and there's not a whole lot you can do about that. He just had bad luck all week, um, but he still got those damn points for us. Really proud of Brad. Um, Ender, I mean, he was in a tough spot. Um, you know, he had a lot of tough matches and I you give him credit when we were playing Greece. We needed big points from him and it wasn't looking good early on. He kept telling me for four rounds, four, four turns, it's going to be a zero, man. It's going to be a zero. I'm like, dude, I just need you to get something for us, you know, because that was a really tight matchup. Um, we underestimated Greece completely from the start. They're a very solid team, a new team this year. And round five, Ender's like, I, you know, I think I'm going to get some points in this match. And he pulled out a 20 for us. So we were all really proud about him. And I think that was really good for his morale. And, you know, you can't say enough about Sean Naden. Um, probably the hardest person to coach in the world because he doesn't give you a lot of information. Um, you don't really quite know. I, I, you know, he, he doesn't like to give up too much. I don't think he wants to know his opponent, to let his opponent know how he feels about the match because that might affect the way that they play the game, which is really smart. Um, but from a coaching perspective, it caused me a great deal of anxiety because some of his matches looked really close because he plays such an elite army. You can't think about how, you know, he can be scoring. And, you know, sometimes midway through the round, he'd just kind of wink at me and he'd say 20. And uh, other times I wouldn't know at all. I just had to. I just had to hope and pray that he was going to give me those twenty points, and he did. Um, especially in that Danish game because it was so close. But late in those games against Denmark, again another really talented team. Um, we started to swing upwards with Nick, um, with Brad, with Mike, uh, obviously with Werner. And even though Sean's game took a lot longer than ours, we were waiting for his to come in. We had scored ninety six points before um, uh, Sean had finished. Um, played really great teams. Denmark was fantastic. Obviously, Sweden, they're great friends. England, um, now the new champions. They, they all played great games. They brought great lists. Um, Poland, obviously, is a fantastic team. Greece surprised us. Ireland, ninth place. I mean, we played good teams the entire time. You know, from my perspective, I mean, I, it was emotional for me, especially after day two rallying back to beat Sweden, a really solid team that, that knows us better than anybody else in the tournament. They know our lists. They know uh, the skill level of our players. 
there was no guesswork for them. They knew exactly um, how to play against us. And watching my guys win that game was probably the best moment for me um, all weekend. Um, you know, nearly brought a tear to my eye after we had submitted those scores. Um, team really, really rallied after that loss to England. So, you know, the big takeaway from this is, um, you know, although the, the record shows sixth place, we were right there. Um, I'm so damn proud of every one of the players on this team. And I hope that all of our American fans and international fans of Team America are just as proud. Um, these guys really went out there. They did it for country. They did it for Jeff. They did it for each other. And uh, they gave me an amazing experience. It's something that I will never, ever forget. One of the best experiences of my life. And I can't thank them enough for it. You really, you guys really did put on just an amazing performance uh, that anybody should be proud of. Um, you went through more than any other team possibly could at that event and almost came out on top. Um, there's nothing to be ashamed of. Everyone here was rooting for you. Even I myself, the most nationalistic of Canadians, really, really dug down deep and prayed that Team USA would come out on top. Let's cut to a bump. Tournament news. I'm Lawrence Baker. And this is the B-Bone from Tabletop Tactics. You're listening to 40K Stat Center. How appropriate that Ben Bonner would be their lead-in for the next team. Australia. In the real world, it is considered a land of kangaroos and boganism, and a place that is very, very, very far from Serbia. In the Warhammer world, it has built up a reputation as a backwoods country, still coming into its own and running comped events with weird criteria, players winning large major events with odd lists that some this side of the world wouldn't be caught dead with. And yet, those views may be short-sighted, probably ignorant, and are at best incorrect. You see, this country, this Australia, it is made up of a rugged and foolhardy people. Think of them as the Irish, but with less whimsy and more poorly developed reasoning skills. That said, they are friggin' crafty. Descended from thieves, pirates, and tax evaders, they have been perfectly honed as wargaming connoisseurs, able to pull victory from the jaws of defeat in ways that you would never even dream. In years past, Australia has struggled to have a definitive presence at the ETC. The cost is generally very prohibitive to leave their godforsaken land of poisonous and STD-riven creatures, and so often they were forced to bring their B-team, i.e. those that could afford the ticket. This year was different, though. This year they strove for greatness. They dug deep into their pockets and through some kind of warp-touched means managed to convince eight of their absolute best players and another guy to make the trek all the way to the other side of the earth. They knew the competition would be absolutely balls deep and that they needed to be at tip-top shape. We we had the dream, like we had this dream of um, getting a podium in ETC this year. We put in more work than we'd ever put in before. We took better plays we'd never taken before. We like, oh, we had this just pipe dream of getting somewhere near the top and of putting Australia on the map. And we crushed it. We we went uh, up until the last round. We were 4-1-0, so we'd undefeated with one draw in our round one versus Italy, which actually turned out to be an absolute blessing. 
In preparation for following this Australian dream, they brought players like Adam the Dromedary Camilleri, who you just heard there. Liam the Good Dr. Hackett. Eric Lethargy Incarnate Lethurus. Peter Redbeard the Dirt Pirate Platel. Jeremy Marigold Marigold. Hayden the Loose Unit Walduck. Matt Plague Hulk Morisoli. Jake Tim Tam O'Grady. And Coach Josh Dewey Decimal Diffy. Let's hear from him. So basically with the ETC, for those who haven't been involved, uh, there is some really easy teams to play against. And by easy, I mean um, can it, like not as in skill level. I'm talking about easy-go-lucky kind of people. Mm. I think Australia, US, England, really nice teams to play against. There are some teams which are a little bit down the line. Um, not, I'd say harsh, but fair. I would say rigid. <laughs> rigid. Rigid's fair. You know. <laughs> uh, so we, we went in basically saying, hey, guys, if you have issues, call me. I'm the one that has to deal with it. Mm. Um, you can keep playing your game afterwards without having have to be the one who says no. Yeah. So that was, you know, for the first couple of rounds, it was, it was pretty full on. <laughs> I won't lie. It was pretty full on. Um, when we played England and probably France, it was easy. I, I didn't really do anything, if I'm honest. So Diffie mostly keeps the ducks in line. Like he keeps everyone on track, um, set towards their goals or whatever, whatever we're projected to score in that round. And really just checks in and see how we're going. It, it's, it's, yes. abs- uh, so for those of you who don't know how ATC works, a coach is absolutely necessary if you actually want to have. A if you want to win. win, if you want to win. Otherwise, you have no you have no interaction with the other players. You need to know how you're tracking. You need to know <laughs> what your goals are and where you're at and where your team's at. It's a really really vital. So we had a couple of rounds. We had a couple of rounds where uh, we had some games that could have been a bit of a coin flip, um, and other games we pretty much had to hold back on pushing for things until we knew how they went. Yeah. So, so no, not to risk. The, so, you know. yeah, having a coach means you can assess whether or not a game is good or bad mm-hmm. mid-round and whether or not other games need to push for points or just play defensive. Team Yellow and Green started off the ETC on what many would consider a low note, but not them. Facing off against Italy in the opening round, they still had some kinks to work out of their system and managed to only pull a draw against the masters of the spicy meatball. The next two matchups saw Aussies begin to come into their own. Rounding out their first day was a win against Austria and a pairing with Ukraine to start their day two. Games two and three saw Matt Morisali and Jake O'Grady score big 20-0 wins against both the Austrians and the Ukrainians, with Eric Lathuris and Liam Hackett providing further huge numbers and support. On would come Spain to close out day two, and the boys didn't show any sign of slacking off, drawing out a huge 111-49 win off the hairy backs of the loose unit and the good doctor. We tried to get a feeling for how Australia's top players felt about how the event was coming along going into their day three. So we, so Australia's best ever recorded score prior to this weekend was 15th, and that was in, I think it was 2016. Or no, or is it 2015 or 14? Something there in Greece, in Greece, in ATC. So our first benchmark for this team was to produce the best ever result for Australia. And by the end of day two, we'd done that. We'd gone three and one. Uh, we were undefeated. And so um, we blew off a lot of steam on, on night two. And we actually did 
stuff all pairings. We sat down and we adjusted our scores based on the mission. And then we went out and we enjoyed ourselves and we all high-fived. And then we came into today, to this morning, really serious, humble, ready to go. And um, yeah, we got the job done in round five and we were. This was huge. Australia moved into day three at 3-0-1 in third place behind the undefeated Russia and England and facing off against an intimidating French team. This round would be balanced on a fine tip, with both teams getting four wins apiece. The turning point would be Adam Camilleri and Hayden Walduck taking bad matchups and pulling out just minor losses, allowing for the, for the Marigold, Eric Lathuris, and Liam Hackett to push them to 4-0-1 with critical big wins. And so Team Australia, the little engine that could, pushes into the final round of the ETC as one of only two teams without a loss, and then they meet up with the Giants. This team of filthy degenerates and loosely moral souls walked into the lion's den. Against England, it was rough because um, the end result was really close. We we're only a few points off a draw. But the first, I think, three results in was zeros. So 20 Like, we, we had a horrible... <clears throat> all of our really bad matchups were early in the round. Mm. All our good 20-point wins... Uh, we're at the end of the round, yeah. and it was it was pretty tense. It, was pretty it, it really it really shows England's caliber that um you know they were able to get twenties quickly off us. We had to grind them all out against them, but we got them. We, we did. We still got them. <clears throat> um, so for example, I had uh, Matt Morisoli on about turn three tell me that uh he was on a win. Uh, how many like did he need a big win? Because mm. if he needed a big win, he could basically um dark matter crystal a unit really deep into the opponent's lines. Um, it could go badly, mm. uh, but if it went well, he got a big win. If it went bad, he got a medium. He probably, well, he probably lost. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, and so as a result, we had to know whether or not we needed the points. If we didn't need the points, I'd say play defensive and get me 15 points. If we needed them, I'd say go. Well, I'm not sure how fresh your listeners are, but I'd say go balls deep. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> Looking at the results. Um, I'd say it was more more arse than class, a bit of luck on my end that the calls I made where people had to go go big um, paid off. Because, of course, if I say go big and they lose, mm. then we could lose the round. Yeah. But the thing is, when I was saying go big, we were probably going to lose the round if they didn't. So, so there was a few rounds where it was, it, playing aggressive was the only option. This was a rough matchup and the Aussies knew it. As Diffie said, they needed to make some Hail Mary plays early on, and it did not look good. Hayden Walduck was forced into a bad matchup against Manny the Leprechaun Chima and had to try hoarding the objectives into a tight space on one half of the board, only for Manny to steal the deployment role and overwhelm him in a tide of bodies, furthering the defeat by forcing an extra round on a roll of a six and bumping himself to a 20-0 win by doing so. Adam Camilleri, Peter Platel, and Eric Lathuris would also take vicious early 20-0 losses, leaving the English on the cusp of a quick and brutal victory. But the Aussies soldiered on. These filthy colonials would not back down. Jeremy the Marigold himself would pull out a 20-0 victory from what at one point may have been a defeat, and Jake the tiniest 1-0 Grady would as well. Matt number one Morisoli would then pull off a 15-5 win with just minutes left in the round and bring England right to the edge of a draw. 
The score was now 85-55, and England needed to rely on their own Merc with a mouth, Nick, the former Brown Magic Nanavati, who was paired against the good doctor himself, Liam Hackett. Now, Nick has been one to talk a little smack about the Australian meta himself, and uh, Liam was aware that there was something he could use there. I, I don't I don't think he wanted that matchup, but I think that he, to, to be blunt, I think he expected me to be bad. I think he really did. Unfortunately for Nick, he was wrong. Liam would proceed to drop down a serious whooping on the master of Masterclass 40K, outscoring Nick in almost every aspect of the game and putting him against the ropes, bloody and bruised. And when the final tally came in, Liam had won, but not by enough. 17-3, England wins. But fear not, my lads. While this tale of the underdog does not end with a trophy being raised on high, you can expect only greater things from the land of marmite and poor decisions. As the Australians say, how good is your own toilet? Man, it's such a, such an amazing feeling to, I don't know, feel like you belong. feel like... Because forever Australia's been this, you know, up and up in the bottom middle, somewhere around the middle. Like no one takes us seriously as a nation. No one thinks we're contenders. And um, man, like we came to town, we came to play, and a lot of people were impressed. And uh, there's a really great indictment by so many amazing players and amazing members of our community. I'd just, just like to say this is just the beginning. This is literally the first step on our road to becoming hopefully an absolute top table staple at this at the world level. If you're a fan of the Down Under Network or Godhammer Gaming or Team Aussie at all, you should know that hanging with the boys is more important than winning. Oh, the, the week with the boys was the best part of the ATC. Which bit? Which bit of the boys? Yeah. Oh, the pina coladas. <laughs> yeah. What a bunch of wankers. Let's cut to the bump. Tournament news. Scarry here from Scardcast, and you are listening to Stats Center. But the first place on the 40k tournament on ETC 2019 goes to team England! Lions, Lions, and Lions, oh my. If we hadn't blown the lead multiple times already, Team England are your 2019 ETC champions. Bringing the title home for the first time since 2012, this was a squad that certainly came prepared to smash. For an introduction to the team and their performance this year, we turn things over to the dread captain, Josh Roberts. This year we felt really good going into the ETC. After the lists, looking at ourselves, America, Poland and Germany, you always have to look at because they've won it so many times. Sweden have won it before, looked at them. Russia always have a different meta, but we felt like our lists were right at the top, as good as any other teams, and we felt we had a good chance of winning this year. First round draw, we ended up with Finland, strong team, often a top 10 team, um, and we've played them before a few years ago, and we get on, I get on well with their captain, and they felt they had a really strong team this year. So no easy first round, which was good for us. We, we, we wanted to go there and compete. Um, so we played Finland first. We've had, we had a great round against Finland. Then we played Germany, who've won it multiple times. Then we played the US. Um, we played Poland as well. We played Russia. And then we played Australia um, for the final. So we had no easy rounds at all. Uh, in, in the end, we ended up playing second, third, fourth, sixth, eighth, and tenth. So proper run there 
Um, but it was really good. Uh, all super tough rounds, and glad that we uh, we we got the win in the end. Felt the team performed really well. We had set set goals for each army list, what we wanted it to do, how we were going to use it. Have to adapt to each team because their meta will be slightly different. Their pairing process is different, so you you adapt to how they're going to play. But overall, all of our players performed as we wanted them to. Our prey lists scored well. With Tony, for example, you're running the Eldar Flyers, scoring 114 out of 120 points. Um, our guard list did really well, scoring over 100 points. I did well with my own list. I was predicting myself around the 70 or 80 mark. I did 91. So all everybody performed really well. Um, there was the the round we really had to be mindful of um, and think about how the pairings were going to work was the Russian round. Because their meta is so different, they, they really run some anti-meta unique lists that we don't see in the European tournament scene or the American tournament scene. So that, that we had, we had to do, we did quite a lot of planning for that. How do we, how, what, what are their purposes of their lists? Making sure we're not missing any tricks. And then how do we manage that with our, our lists are probably more standard European meta. Turning points. I think the big thing for us was, as I said, we had a tough run. We didn't play any easy easy teams or um, anything like that. We had stiff competition from round one all the way through the event. But I think the the, the big one was the belief for us kept growing. We, we felt confident going into the event, but then we played Germany early and Germany have won the ETC multiple times. It's between Germany and Poland who've won it the most times. They've really dominated for those two for the, for the whole, since the ETC started. And then we got a really big win against uh, Germany. We also then got a really big win against Poland as well. I mean, a, a win is 86 points and both teams we beat 130 plus uh, out of 160. So really, really big wins, um, which which really gave us belief that we can do it this year, we can go all the way. And then we also played the Americans and the Americans are the reigning champs, won it last year, had a really strong team. And we managed to get a win against the Americans as well. And I think that was really at that point we like we knew we still had the Russians who'd been smashing other teams to come, but we after beating the Polish, Germans, and Americans, we were like, no, this is this is our year. Their confidence was high. We knew we could beat anybody uh, going into those final few rounds. No, just finally, I think for me, the the big thing for this year is we've put a lot of hard work in with prep practice, going to events, going to as many team events as we could do as a team, fine-tuning lists. But I think the the biggest thing was how good our team camaraderie was between each other. There was no, no real egos. People, people had different roles in the team. We knew some people were going to be higher scoring than others, but everybody's role was important. Um, we had a, a number of coaches that were fantastic for us at this weekend. I mean, I really want to say thank you to... Our Marcus, Tom, and Nathan, who did the coaching for us. I don't think, in the, with the way the game is now, how complex all the different matchups are, I don't think you have a chance of winning an ETC without a coach that that really helps manage the the round mid mid game. So I think everybody had a fantastic um, 
camaraderie between us. We got on really well. We were very, I think, I'd like to hope professional in the way we 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 viewed it like a sports team would, in that we had to prepare for each round properly. Our coaches were fantastic, and I think that really helped us uh, get over the line and win this year. And now to round out the show, we'll hand things off to one of our UK correspondents, current Team Wales player and former Team Canada mercenary and Heffelfinger roommate, Tom Layton. Although he, for some reason, doesn't know what the title of our show is, Tom was kind enough to chase down two of the ecstatic and drunk hooligans that comprise Team England, friend of the show Tom Higginbottom and other friend of the show Manny Chima. Hi guys, I'm back with the uh, Frontline Gaming 40k stat show and i'm here with tom higginbottom of tim of team england that's pretty scuffed that wasn't as good as the last intro <laughs> how are you doing dude yeah i'm good thanks yeah yeah i'm good thanks have a nice trip back yeah yeah it was, it was pretty straightforward didn't have to drive all the way across the continent this time yeah no two flights i know who would do that who would do such a thing so we're <laughs> good <laughs> so you were playing with well you were with team england this year right yeah. yeah, yeah, and you guys obviously won, but you had a bit of a change in your role this year because last year you were on the playing team, and this year you were taking more of a bit of a more of an analytical and support role in the team, yeah. and you yeah. were you were coaching the team. So how was the transition from playing in the team last year to coaching, and what was it kind of like having that different perspective on the round? Uh, it was quite nice to be to be honest. You, know? <laughs> uh, you don't get that stress of, uh, you know, when you're no. in a big round and you're like, uh, you know, you've done your matrix, you predicted your 15 or something like that. And now you need to go get your 15. And that, yeah. that stress is, mm. is something else. But it, it was, uh, there was different aspects of stress to it because you walk in the line and you see in all eight games and you see players <laughs> do things and you're like, no, why are you doing that? No. <laughs> no. Uh, so, so for a bit There's of content, I, I saw a player like line up a, a sort of charge through a crater, and I was like, "No, yeah, but it was. It turns out he wasn't actually going to charge. He was just replacing the screen. Uh, no, but that, that was, you know, was that you coat by that. any chance? No, it wasn't. It was uh, worse. Uh, okay, I won't. I won't ask you to name names. That's unfair. But just for yeah. con- just, <laughs> just said it was. It. They were just replacing the screen, so it wasn't. They they weren't actually going to make the mistake. <laughs> but you don't know that, and you can't yeah. ask the players anything about the games. You know, as yeah. it's going on. And but. you're tracking eight games at the same time, and what and your what your role really is is because what ends up happening is before a round, you'll have each of your players predict what they're going to get out of certain games, right? Yeah. And if some games start going badly and you, you're looking like you're going to get fewer points, you need to find those points elsewhere if it's like a close round. So yeah. each game is scored between 0 and 20. So if you're predicting a 15, that's a good score. Yeah. So what what we're saying is if you get to play a match where you predict 0, you're totally fine because you can't come back with any less, right? So there's no stress. Yeah. A lot of players actually prefer playing sort of those mm. games because if they come back with, say, three or four points or five out of that, then they're really happy because, you know, they've they've just gained five points out of a game that they shouldn't, they had no right to. Yeah, uh, exactly. And how did but, how, how did the pairings work? Did you have much of a handle on the pairings? Uh, no, not so much. Uh, that's very much Josh's and Tony's sort of... Right area of, ex- of expertise but once players um sort of got their parents uh, and they got their matchups some some of them would come over and we'd, mm. we'd talk about you know what are, what are the risks what are the what are the combos that they'll be mm. facing and how yeah. they kind of want to approach the game if it's good or bad you know if it's a bad game then perhaps they want to just be cautious and 
and sort mm. of defend sort yeah. of a couple of points. Yeah. Or, or they need to push for the things. Mm. So for those of us that don't that don't know, because this reaches quite a lot of people in North America specifically, where they're very ITC focused, how exactly does pairings work, and how do you get each individual player playing their game in an ETC round? Um, so the teams uh, sit down at a table, and they roll off, and the winner gets to place the first defender. So the first defender could be. Um, teams approach this in, in all different sort of manners. Mm. Some like to put their strongest list forward, and um, that doesn't have. It may may only have one answer. Um, so then the the opposite team will have to put two t- two um, armies into it, and they'll obviously just take the one that they they feels the best for them. Or they could take the other one, the worst matchup, if it meant that it's better for the team as a round. You know, it's like, say, they don't want that one army to remain in the pairings until the swing round or something like that. They'll take it out. Hmm. Um, and obviously, the first the first defender will have the f- the first pick of all eight tables as well. So sometimes a list is, is, is designed to play on a very specific type of board, either very light or very heavy. Um, and they have to go down early to sort of grab those tables before anyone else does. Mm. Otherwise, the list just doesn't work. Um, we saw this year there was a lot of um, janky sort of character lists or um, heavily dug in sort of lists that it's quite they're quite difficult to dig out of their sort of entrenched positions, if you will, like a sister's army or some of these primarity type things that were like you know the two up, two up save two wounds. Um, models that you have to go and actually physically go over there and dig them out if if you've been instructed to go get your 15 points and your opposition's just sat on three objectives in these ruins it's mm. it's kind of difficult to dig them out but if they were on an on an open board that they wouldn't have that so it's important for some teams to sort of go out early and, and pick their relevant board yeah absolutely and the objective obviously with with each team is to try and get as many good matchups as possible because you yeah. have a, a number of points that you need to get to win a round. So there's 160 points available over the eight games, 20 points yeah. per game, and if you get 86 or more points, you win the round. That's correct. So, yeah, you're aiming to, to try and get that. And and you've been to VTC quite a few times, so you, you're very, very familiar with kind of how the pairings works and both how you approach how working out how many points you think you can get from a matchup in, in a certain mission and then obviously on the other side as well having to go around and looking at each of the games and understanding how many points you think they're going to get out of that mid-game right so you have yeah. a lot of experience with this so what do you think made the difference between england this year where where you've obviously won the event and england last year where you came fifth or england the year before and they came fourth and so on and so forth in the pairings specifically or, the or just, just overall just overall the pairings overall, too well, I, this no. year this year we just um, we just got our heads down and we just worked harder mm. to be honest obviously we had a stronger playing staff potentially this year or the roster in general was potentially just all stronger all round um, but we we put the graft in this year we we studied all the lists we looked at the weird lists even the Russians uh, <laughs> even the Russian the, lists the, the Russians who thought no one understood their lists mm. we knew what their list did yeah. because we, we tested them we put them on a the table we dug through them um, we played with them mm. in some instances um, so we knew what was coming yeah. really uh, that's a really good call as well yeah there's there's no there's no um there's nothing better than actually just practicing to be yeah. honest you can talk about it um all you want 
but you, you need to just put the reps in. You need to get the yeah. games done. And even with that, you guys were exceptionally thorough because we had Nathan going around, I think, at the end of day two of UTC, and he was talking yeah. to like the Welsh guys and the Swedish guys and the Polish guys, I think, uh, about because mm-hmm. we'd all play the Russians. So we, we knew what their list kind of looked like, and Nathan was going around trying yeah. to work out if it did anything that you guys hadn't expected. But I guess that's yeah. also one of the benefits of having a, a larger kind of support staff as well of England, right? Because it means that you can get multiple practice games going on. Like you, you have these three guys who are there to also help you play test lists and understand exactly what they do. Yeah, yeah. And we knew, we knew they'd been practicing against our lists as well. <laughs> to be fair so if you don't if you don't do that then you, you're already at a disadvantage yeah and that obviously would have made for a very interesting round because you guys played the russians in round five right so i it can is. imagine that was quite a stressful experience knowing that it was going to be a really tough round and this was basically the round to decide who would play australia as it turned out to, to win the etc so how, how, what was yeah. it like walking up and down the rows like in that round where you have all these guys that you've worked with and care about really stressing and grafting for points yeah yeah it was it was pretty stressful i think the polish round the round before was more stressful really um, after yeah because after the after we paired off it looked tight it looked really <laughs> tight and we and we needed a couple of things to go our way like first turns it was swing games mm. uh, and the russians after we paired we felt really good but we had um, we just had a couple of things just go horribly wrong in two games that were predicted to get 15 each and yeah. both those those games came back in total three points oh but after, still, well, after a predicted yeah so had had those weird things not happened we we could have we potentially arguably should have potentially beat Russia yeah. 100 and, 110 points maybe 103 points something like that yeah but we didn't I still think that's one of the hardest things to do, though, because when you've got a, a really, really good matchup, in theory, and then you go out and play mm-hmm. it and something goes horribly wrong, it's very easy just to uh, lose your head or uh, just yeah. just collapse a little bit. But to still get points yeah. out of those games in the end was really, really crucial for you guys because you did get a winning side of that draw before, obviously, the we rest did. swooped yeah. in and 80, did their thing. 83 it was, so we were three points off yeah. winning the round. Uh, which we should have had really one one game we just we got seized <laughs> on in one game and we weren't ready for it and then we got punished heavily for it and, yeah. and another game was a slow game um, which is what um, that's how it led to the third slow slow game for russia which led to the point deduction which yeah. is how we ended up playing australia so how exactly were they defining a slow game was it just hitting the clock on onto onto a zero oh, amount of time not entirely sure. Was it a game that didn't potentially get to five? Well, well I was I confused don't. because when they came out with the explanation, they said, oh, they had uh, some games in like um, rounds four and five that were slow. When I know for a fact I clocked my opponent out in round one. So <laughs> I don't know what, quite what happened wow. there. But it was interesting round to see. Round one, he ran out of time. I mean, yeah. turn one. No, no. Well, it you... was um, when, I, when we played the Russians in round one, I was playing against uh, the Gene Steeler Colts and it ran out of time and I had like 30 minutes on the clock or something. So was so. that like the fourth slow game then? It could have been. I don't know. Potentially. Well, doesn't, I don't know. Doesn't well, the really rules pack yeah. said that if you have three across the team, then you get you get the deduction. Right. So the, the, the judges were just implementing what the rule pack said. Yeah. And that worked out. Last. Yeah, and one of the surprise packages of this year that I just wanted to very quickly touch on just before we, 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 we bounce was Australia. So Australia really came out the gates this year and yeah. normally they're kind of like middle lower of the pack and then they drew the first round and won the next four. So they were playing mm-hmm. you guys for the, in the final and it ended up being very, very close. Can you tell me a little bit about that last round and with yeah, the results coming really in? they're really good. 
Yeah, they've got a really good core of players there that if they if they can retain them for next year and push on, like that, they'll be there'll be something to look at next year for sure. Mm. Yeah. yeah, and they had some weirdness uh, as well. We had some early results come in. Yeah. Uh, for that one, and we were just waiting for six points, I think, towards the end of the round. Which <laughs> it looks like it was uh, looked like that was it was going to be fine. But then uh, the Orc game swung against us. Um, the Nids game, uh, sorry, Argene Sealer Cult versus their Orcs swung against us. And then, but eventually, that I think that Nick result was enough to push us over the round and um, I think Ramsey was just like oh we've won the round so we'll just leave it at that so whilst it was just an 88 points I think Ramsey could have got some more so it could have been like a 91 <laughs> or two but yeah it was it was quite close it took us the whole way it took us the whole way yeah, so, yeah. Like, very good sides and and finally mate just before we go uh are you going back again next year yeah I hope so yeah, yeah, that's an instant answer. <laughs> Shows how much we love the UTC <laughs> over here. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Thank you very much for that, buddy. I'll talk to you soon. No problem. Thanks, Tom. Bye. We should note that Manny Chima is an absolute monster. This guy drove all the way from Serbia to his home and still managed, just like every other podcast in the UK, to provide us with an interview while driving dropping his cell phone multiple times, possibly drunk off of a lack of sleep, he still managed to make some worthwhile content. Thank you, Manny, for everything you do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Frontline Gaming Stat Show. I'm here today with Glasshammer Gaming and Team England's uh, big scoring player, Manny Chima. How you doing, Manny? Hi, bro. I'm awesome. I'm feeling really good, really happy right now. <laughs> I mean, I can imagine after... How how many hours have you been driving right now? Oh, mate, I've been <laughs> driving in 20, 24 hours. Well, it was, it was a bit more, actually, because obviously we've had a couple of stops, but, mate, the amount of traffic jams we've been stuck in over the last two days? Mental. We've probably done about 30 hours of driving all in all. Oh, no. It'll be interesting to see the, the state your models are in after you finish that, because it been, it's been quite hot over Europe, hasn't it, the last few days? So oh, I can mate, imagine it's yeah, pretty bad. Yeah, but, but, I'm 20 minutes from home. Good news. <laughs> this is why you're feeling good. <laughs> this is why I'm feeling good. Well, I'm also feeling good from the ETC. Oh, there you go. Oh, look at that. That was a very smooth segue. You should be doing my job. That was all right. <laughs> that was pretty good. So, obviously, you've just, you're just on your way back from ETC where you were playing with, with Team England. And, yeah. and and you guys won it this year, but this isn't the, this isn't the first time you've been. You've been quite a few times. So, yeah. I was wondering, what is it that, makes team, that has made Team England different this year compared to previous years where you've done well like you've come fourth and you've come fifth in previous years but you you haven't won since 2012 and i think the first time you were on the team was 2016 so what has made the team different this year compared to the previous years uh yeah so basically we've just we've we've grouped together a lot more and we we kind of looked at what what happens to us what happens to us so you know, in 2016, I can't remember where we... Oh, actually, no, I can remember where we came. 2016, we came fourth. Yeah. 2017, we came fourth, I believe. <laughs> yeah. And then 2018, last year, we came fifth. Yep, I remember. So the three yeah. years I've been on the team previously have come fourth, fourth, and fifth. Yeah. And what normally happens to us is we're in that final round for a reason. Like... We, we came, in 2016, we came fourth, but if we won the round, we would have come second. Because you played France then, in the last round, didn't you? 
Yes, exactly. And then in 2017, uh, it was the same sort of scenario. But if we win the final round, I think we would have we would have had a chance because we would have been joint with the people at the top. Mm. So it would have been first or second. Last year, if we won the fight, if we won one of the rounds that we lost, we would have been on the podium. I think third place. Mm. So it's just it was. I think it's it comes down to that critical moment. And a couple of things have gone against us before, where there was this year the stars have just aligned in that, mm. that great game when we needed them, and everything's just gone perfectly. But, you know, th- there's also the factor of, like last year, um, I-, I looked at the team, and obviously we had um, we had players that were, obviously the players are really good, because mm. they are among the best players in Team England. However, like, people weren't practiced to the maximum, in my opinion. Mm. For example, even me. Um, this time, last year, when we were going to the ETC, I'd been doing a lot of exams, and, you know, Glass Hammer Gaming was just starting off this time last year. So I was really, really busy, and I wasn't playing as many games as maybe I should have, and things like that. So, you know, I think that plays a big part, whereas this year, the team has pulled together so hard. And when, when you look at the players on the team this year, you look at all eight players, and any one of the eight players on the England team going to an event, you would pick as a favourite to mm. win the event. Yeah, 100%. I mean, uh, One of the biggest singles events in the UK. I, I remember being sat in a Nando's with you in, in, in like May, and you guys were talking about how much you were communicating about all sorts of lists as well. And it was really cool to see, just that kind of like understanding of not just your own list, but everybody else's. Yeah, that's it. So we have the we have like the main Team England group chat, and then from there we have like a couple of different group chats. And I was in a couple of them. Like, for example, there was the the Chaos group chat, and in that would be all the players that know about Chaos and um, you know that have been using Chaos and things like that, so they could communicate with the Chaos player, and the Chaos player could bounce ideas back between them, and they could, we could all talk and make it better. Oh, is that? And we had a Gene Steeler cut one and Orc one and. You know, so on. Are those like all the England players that are happy with those codices, or was it like kind of a more open thing? Yeah, so it was, yeah, it was the England players, the people on the squad. Right. So we had the squad chat with like all of us on there, mm-hmm. and then we had, for example, for example, we had the towel chat, mm. and in the towel chat there was me, Ramsey, uh, Marcus, <laughs> Nathan, Josh, and Nick, I think. Yeah. And, like, the Tau ideas were being bounced back and forth in there, and we were talking about how we should use the Tau and things like that, what list, what list we were more happy with than the others. So we, we had a lot, of, a lot of prep going into this year. Mm. And, um, I mean, Nick, Nick also, Nick was awesome on the team. Mm. And, um, you know, there's a lot of people saying, oh, we've only won because, we've only won because Nick was on the <laughs> I team. Think, I think that's silly. Yeah. Full respect to Nick, but I think that's silly because you guys, as you just demonstrated, you guys were always in the top five even before Nick was around, right? And even then, you've added yeah. players like uh, James Ramsey, who's really, really good, specifically list building. And then and Robbo as well, who's a very, very experienced, very, very um, uh, well-versed ETC player as well. Yeah, we have we have we've got top tier players. Every player on that team is a top tier player. Mm. And um, Nick, Nick was Nick was amazing for the team. Uh, I mean, in pairings, it was like having another Josh. <laughs> um, when they were pairing, it was it was really good. Like when Josh and Nick were talking, discussing pairings with each other, it was awesome. It, it, it was really really good. So he was very he was very good for the team. He he made a lot of impact 
in the team and you know when we were communicating with each other it was really good mm. and even though he was so far away he would always be filling us in on what list he was using why it's so good how he's changed the list now why has he changed the list now and he was communicating with us on a regular basis so it was it was really really good having him is absolutely wicked so you know I, I, I wouldn't change it man because he you know he, he wasn't picked for his team it's not it's not like we went out there and we said oh Nick come and play for England do you know what I mean you didn't poach him or anything yeah, like that yeah yeah he, he wasn't selected for his team he still wanted to go to the ETC uh, you know we we were like actually you know what we have one wildcard pick and Nick is Nick is a great guy we all know Nick hmm. he's a good laugh and he's very good at 40k so you know when you have a wildcard pick like that then you know you, you can do things like that so he was picked and um, you know what he did really well he did hmm. really really well so you know, I'm made up that we came first. I totally am because, oh man, it's been like four years coming, bro. <laughs> You've been it's trying been so hard. Four years coming. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I was just talking to everyone and I was like, have I lost a game at the EGC in like the last three years? Did you lose one this round? We just missed that podium and this, <laughs> this year, I lost one game. Oh no, Manny. Oh. I was like, you know what? I was like, that's it, Josh. Next year, I'm just going to throw one game, bro. Manny loses, but the team wins. That's how it works. <laughs> but, yeah, you, but that was brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. So we're, absolutely amazing. We were talking about Nick, and obviously Nick didn't get picked for his team, but he was still went out there and wanted to come to the ETC and found himself a team. Yeah. And you have just driven like 30 hours across the continent to go. So what yeah. makes you you crazy ca- uh, crazy kids do such weird things and drive oh, and heads to go through such uh, tumultuous lengths to get to the ETC? Why is it so special to you guys? Mate, the ETC, the ETC is the ETC, man. But for 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 me and Dan especially, hmm. um, ETC was like where we've come from. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like quite a lot of our all of our battle reports now uh, are like ITC based. That's because, you know, there's there's a lot more in ITC for singles play. And, yeah. uh, you know, everybody feels like with the best in fact, and everybody feels like they have something to play for in ITC. So we really like that, too, and we like the, the way that they play in ITC. So that's why all of our battle reports and things gear that way. Mm. But um, Glass Hammer Gaming, really, we got launched and recognized for streaming the ETC last year. Mm. So for us, it's like... You know, it, it, it's awesome from Glasshammer. You know, ETC have given Glasshammer, you know, uh, some recognition. And they've, we've got our name out there by being associated with ETC. So we like to give something back as well, do you know what I mean? And mm. we thought, let's go back again and let people view the ETC and the quality of players that come. And for me, uh, personally, so that, that's business. That's, you know, Glasshammer. Yeah. But, like, uh, for me, as a player... Man, it's all about the ETC. It is all about the ETC. The ETC is like the pinnacle of 40K, in my opinion. It's the pinnacle of competitive gaming in 40K. You know, it's essentially the World Cup. Mm. You're pitting the best players, the best players from all different nations across the world and finding out which team is the best of that year. Mm. 100%. I think that's just amazing. And I think the the special bit for me comes in team play because recently I've been going to every Belgium team championship that I can go to, every eight na- six nations slash eight nations that I can go to 
because I enjoy the team environment a lot more than singles. I mean, yep. you know, Tom, we're, we're at a lot of, you know, we, we go to big <laughs> singles events, don't we? And we meet yep. each other all the time at singles events. And, you know, we're all there to win, but we're having, we're having a great time. And like when we play mm. each other, we've always had great games. Yep. And it's because we have a laugh with each other while we're doing it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, I don't like to take singles events too seriously because at the end of the day, you know, there's still that component of matchups. Whereas team, you can However, control that, right? Team, yeah. Mate. Oh, in team, even if you lose your game, if you go into that game <laughs> and you're predicted to get three or four points, if you get six points from that game, you've won. Yeah, this is the thing. If you, if you, yeah, if you get six points from that game, you have won that game. Yeah, there's always something to play for, isn't there, right? Even yeah, if you're getting battered. That's it, man. That's it, man. And, like, if you, if you, if you lose, you lose as a team... You know, you, you boost each other's morale, chin up, and that's it. You go the next round. But if you win, you win as a team, and that feeling is just amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, thank so you very much. The last couple of points come in, and it's been a tight round, and you've won <laughs> 89 to 71, which is... You Was know, that the Australia round by any win, chance? Like, oh, yes, that's amazing. <laughs> Yeah, it was. I know it was kind of like annoying when the Russian team started bouncing because they got a draw off you guys. Ironic, oh, um, yeah, but at the same time, it just it just demonstrates the level of emotion in in that hall, right? Yeah, well, I mean, we were we were on the winning end of the draw, mm. and um, there was just um, there was one combat, and it went my opponent's way rather than my way because the, the game was going on at the end. Yeah, and um, that was the one game that I lost over the weekend, and um, he won seventeen three. However, if that combat goes in my favour, he wins 13-7 instead. Yeah. So I get four extra points, and yeah. we go from 83 points to 87, and that's a win for the round. I know, man. So it I all hinged on that combat, yeah. and he went against me, and I was like, oh, no. Yeah. I, I saw but them all cheering, there, yeah. Russia were on form. Yes, they man. Crushed, they crushed every team they played. Oi. And we were on the winning end of a draw against them. Uh, I'll we got 83 <laughs> and they got 77, so I think that, that, that's great. That says a lot about our team. I'll have you know, mate, that we got crushed slightly less badly than Sweden did. So I'll, I'll take that I'll take that W. Thank you very much. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, but I mean, that's, it's just testimony. In it. I mean, the Russians were prepared this year, weren't they? Do, um, yeah, man. And you know what? Their sportsmanship this year was not, not like, bad at all. Mm. They were... The, the, most of the team were really nice. Yes, and they were pretty good. I mean, I played the um, I played the Grey Knight player in the singles as well. Yeah, I remember. He was a really nice guy when we played. Like it, it was, a, you know, like a straight down the line game. It was fine. Yeah, and um, you know, I, I played Stepan in the finals as well. Mm -hmm. And um, bar one small, you know, small miscommunication <laughs> error, the game was the game was fine. There was no like no bad play. In my opinion, the, the game was played by the rules. And, uh, you know, like obviously, we all knew, like me going into that game, it's, um, it's a draw kind of matchup, in it? It's a 10-10 matchup. So, but I had to win that 10-10 matchup. You had to push. To win yeah. the tournament. Whereas Stefan knew that he just had to play for a draw. Mm -hmm. So um, it was going to be very hard for me going into there. But no, it was fine. And the Russian round was a really good one. Mm. And we enjoyed it because it pushed us to the max. And um, coming out... Coming out on the winning side of a draw uh, was huge for us. I think we did really well. Yeah, you did. And they had some really unconventional lists as well, so it wasn't like you guys were massively prepared against those. Like, uh, yeah. I, I played against their Gene Steeler Cult and Tyranid player, and uh, I thought was, this was really cool, actually, especially in the deployment type we were playing, because it was the short edges, sorry, the long edges, yeah. with, the, with the point, and it really made it difficult for me to screen him off, so I thought his list was, was super, super clever. 
Um, is there anything? Yeah. Is there anything else you want to add before we wrap this up and head back to the rest of the show? Oh no, man! I think um, I, I, that's all I want to say, man. I just want to say, guys, if you're if you're a competitive player and you you want to see the top of the top, try to apply for your country, man. Represent hmm. your country, and if you get the chance to go to the ETC, oh my god, I definitely recommend going. It was absolutely amazing. Yeah. I I think it's brilliant. The ETC is great. I mean. Playing with your team is always brilliant, and it's it's a it's just a different way of thinking, isn't it, Tom? I mean, yeah. singles events are great, but it's a whole new kettle of fish playing on teams events, mm. and I personally love it. Like, I think uh, I think I I think I play some of my best games of 40k uh, at the ETC when I know I'm not just playing for myself; I'm playing for the team. Mm. And I, I just think it's brilliant. I think it's absolutely amazing. I recommend it to anybody. Hundred percent. And if you can't get on your team, just subscribe to Glass Hammer Gaming for two pound ninety nine a month, and you can watch it all from home and enjoy it that way. Yeah, that's it. I mean, we <laughs> tried to. What we tried to do is obviously that that's a new service that we've added, mm. and we we tried to make it you know as, as as low as possible on price because we appreciate that you know people want to support their local stores so they may they might not want to buy from us so they might not want the the discount that the elite members get and stuff like that mm -hmm. so you know i mean if they want discounts there is the the crusader option and stuff like that but we we thought you know what there'll be people out there that just enjoy watching games and they'll want to get better and they want to mm -hmm. see like the top players of the top tournaments play so we're trying to make it as cheap as we possibly can for people to just tune in and watch all the games yeah, and it's a really cool yeah. option, dude. Thank you very much for that. All right. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me on, man. No. It's been absolutely, it's been an absolute pleasure. Anytime, mate. Come on again, man. Always good to talk to you, buddy. Talk to you soon. That's all, folks. I hope you enjoyed the show. Manny Chima is—he's just a national treasure. Uh, he's a f***ing legend. <laughs> stop it. Um, he is a treasure of England. Uh, I'm pretty sure they lock him up in a tower at night. Yeah, if you uh, like Manny Chima, if you like a lot of the guys involved and the people who brought the fantastic stream, uh, you got to sign up for the Glass Hammer Elite, uh, which is like five pounds or something. It was three pounds. It was like five bucks. So it was uh, very, very uh, reasonable. That gets you monthly access to their videos and content. It's uh, If you're interested in this whole European meta thing, uh, well worth your dollars. Lots of players um, from uh, Team England as well as uh, the UN team, etc., etc. But that's it, folks. Really do hope you enjoyed our coverage of the ETC. It was an absolute blast putting it together. Wouldn't have been possible without uh, help from all of our correspondents from across the globe who helped out. Uh, folks like Antonio, Tony Pierce, Adam Camilleri, Tom Layton, and someone else we probably f forgot about, One Love, Hey, Falcon, you got anything else to say? Bye-bye. This has been 40K Stat Center, a presentation of the Frontline Gaming Podcast Network. Like what we do? Subscribe to and rate us on YouTube and wherever podcasts can be found. Join the conversation. Follow 40K Stat Center on Facebook. You can also support the show directly by joining the Chapter Tactics Patreon and competitive 40K in general via the ITC Patreon or by grabbing a subscription to BCP.